You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Anybody have bad habits? Anybody have any bad habits? Anybody? Don't be proud of them, but just, you know, we got them, right? So what I want to do is talk a little bit about, I want to talk a little bit about some of the bad habits we have in the United States um, as we find them. So as I talk about these and list these, I want you to, uh, if any of these apply to your chapel buddy, to elbow them. No, just kidding. That, one of my bad habits is sarcasm. I'm sorry. Okay. So bad, habits, so bad habits typically fall into two categories, things we don't do enough of and things we do too much of. Okay. So here we go. Things we don't do enough of. We don't drink enough water. We don't exercise enough. We don't eat enough vegetables. We don't sleep enough. Okay, so we, don't, uh, we don't organize ourselves or plan well enough. And then we do lots of things too much. For example, we eat too much salt, too much sugar. We smoke, drink too much. We hit the snooze button too much. Can I get an amen? We, uh, we look at our screens too much before we go to bed, when we wake up, every time in between. We procrastinate too much. We go too fast when we're driving. We swear too much. We have negative self-talk too much. Anybody relate to any of these? Anybody? So the question sort of today is, do you ever want to change some things in your life? For example, some of the bad habits you have. Um, there was a, a time my alarm clock broke, and so I was using my phone as sort of my alarm in the morning. And one particular morning, one of my kids texted me and said, ask me a question, and my kids sort of get priority in my life, so their texts actually come through. And so I saw this text, and it was a question about somebody, a family friend, if, if to that day was their birthday. And I was like, I don't think so. Let me look. And so on my phone, I just jumped over to Facebook. Have you guys heard of Facebook? Anyway, so I was on Facebook and and I was looking to see if they're, yep, sure enough, it was their birthday. And I was like, why did I miss that? So I jumped over to my calendar on my phone. And then in my app, the calendar and the mail, emails are the same thing. And so then I started looking at some email. And so then the next morning I wake up and I was like, I wonder if I forgot somebody else's birthday today. So I grabbed my phone, looked at Facebook, it's this app you guys should see. Anyway, and then I jumped on my calendar, and then I was on my email again, and then, and then it sort of became this habit, right, where I just started looking at my phone the very first thing in the morning. And I didn't decide one day, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to find myself the rest of the day really distracted, agitated, upset with people all the time. And instead of, instead of being present to God and my family and other people, I never decided that. But what happens a lot of times for many of us, these little habits begin to, to form and develop in our lives. Oftentimes they start fairly innocently. And part of the reason those things happen is we think that what we're doing is that we're doing something, but we fail to realize when we start doing something, those things that we do start to do something to us. Yeah, so do we ever want to change? I think a lot of us recognize we want to make changes in our life. Turns out that in America... 50 to 60% of us every year make a New, year res- New Year's resolution, all right? Um, how many, what percentage of those do you think we actually carry through with? Turns out about 9% of those resolutions actually get carried out, which is actually better than I thought it might be. Yeah, but it turns out, I think what that tells us is a couple things. One, we want to make changes. And the second thing I think that tells us is that information never equals transformation, right? I know that I should eat more vegetables, right? But that doesn't mean that I do. 
I know that eating more cinnamon rolls maybe isn't good for me, but that's what I do sometimes, right? I have the information, but that doesn't always lead to transformation. So what I wanna talk about today a little bit is change. How do we step into change? How do we make some changes in our life? And so we're gonna talk a little bit about how maybe God wants to do something with our desires. Uh, so uh, Sunday, or Sunday, Monday, uh, Dr. Brown came and he shared a little bit about what that means that we are what we love. And he asked some questions that I thought were really important. They were for me, what, what do you desire? And then he said, you know, God is who he is. The question sort of is, do you really want him? And then on Wednesday, Dr. Baldwin asked us some important questions, including inviting us to maybe audit our life a little bit, to like the Harry Potter scene, look in the mirror and ask some questions about what is it that we really desire and take a look at the actions of our life. And I don't know if you actually were able to do that. Uh, I hope you were. And I want to ask, even if you didn't do that this week, I think all of us at some point have looked at our lives and asked some questions. How am I doing? And as we examine that, if you're like most people, we start to realize something. The person that I am, the things that, if I'm really honest with myself, the actions that I do, these things are different than the person that I want to be. The person maybe I feel called to be, that those, there's a disconnect between those things. And for many of us, that's actually quite upsetting. There's a dissonance, a, a struggle there. Some people call that sort of a void that we have to wrestle with. What does that mean that I actually do these things, but I want to do these things? And I don't know how that works for you, but I just want to say as we begin that two, two parts of this, and then we're going to move to some very specific things. One is this, that no one can meet you in this void, in this in-between except for Jesus. He's the only one who stepped into that. He's the only one who can meet you there. And I hope that you hear me today say this. Everything else I talk about today has to be in the presence, in the reality of the living Jesus Christ who wants to meet you and help you live the best kind of life. The second part of that that I just want to name is this, that God wants you, Jesus invites you to change, not so that he can love you, but instead Jesus wants you to change because he loves you. It's sort of like I have four, four kids, right? Um, if my son, for example, I have a, my youngest son, Isaiah, if, if he was the same size today, he's a student here at Asbury, he's 19 years old, if he was the same size today as he was when he was five years old, would I consider that a problem? Of course, right? There's something going on if he doesn't change and grow. And so I wish for him, I prayed for him, I wanted for him to change physically and maybe some other ways, of course, as well. And it worked, by the way, he's like 6'4", so it worked really well. He gets that from me if he didn't know, yeah. I don't know why that's funny. Okay, uh, so how do we change? So there's an author, his name is Dallas Willard. If you've never read anything by him, I highly recommend it. He has a fantastic book called Renovation of the Heart. In that book, he talks about the pathway of change. And I'm just going to break that down. It's through three simple letters. Okay, so it's V-I-M. The V stands for vision. So point at your eye. Don't stick your finger in your eye, but yeah, lawsuits are going to happen. Point at your eye. Vision, vision, vision. In other words, for, in order for us to change anything in our life, we have to have a vision of something different. I, I don't know about you, but most of us in our life, 
are given some things by our parents and the ways that we're raised, the conditions we're around. And oftentimes we say things like, when I'm a parent, I'm never gonna do it that way. Anybody ever said that phrase before? And yeah, we all say that sooner or later. We can all want something different. We can see that we want something different. But the problem is, if we don't actually know what it looks like to live a different way, then it turns out we can't actually change. If you're taking notes, write this down or get it tattooed on the top of your foot so you'll remember it forever. But the truth is we revert to what we know. If we don't have an image of something different, then we're just gonna keep perpetuating the things we know, even if we don't like it. Now, I know most of you don't have kids of your own and you're not at that place where your parents yourselves, but I promise you someday, and you can, you can look at some of the people in the room who do have kids and they're all gonna be nodding their head. Someday, you're gonna say something to your child or to your spouse or somebody and you're gonna be like, that sounded just like my dad or my mom. What just happened to me, <laughs> right? We revert to what we know. We have to have a picture of something different or we won't be able to change. Let me give you a real-life example of this. Uh, in my life, my wife, Carol, grew up in a home that was pretty broken. Dad, at the time, was an alcoholic. Parents were divorced, a really rough time. She wound up, when she was still in high school, she moved out, lived on her own, got her own job, paid for her own stuff, went to high school, did all that stuff. Pretty rough. And so one of the things she would say over and over again, I'm never going to parent like my parents did. I'm not going to do to my kids what was done to me. I'm not going to do that. Now, she had this idea that what she had been given was broken, wasn't right. But what she didn't have was a different story, a different way, a different vision, different vision of what it could be. So one of the great gifts that God gave to us when she was in college, she started nannying for a family. So she started taking care of this young man. And it turns out that that family was actually a healthy family. They, like, didn't scream at each other all the time. And when they had disagreements, they, they didn't harm each other or do things. They actually sat down and talked about things. They had family meetings. They did all these things that were healthy and good. And what that did was begin to give her a picture, a vision of what family could look like if it was done in a healthy way. And so now, right, we're married, we're getting ready to have kids. Now we can talk about what it looks like to live into something different because she has a vision for something different. For most of our lives, we've been told certain stories. And I don't know what the stories you've been told is, particularly about yourself and about God. Some of us have been, been given stories that God is waiting for us to mess up and he's ready to drop a piano on our head or something every time we mess up. He's ready to send us to hell in a second. And if that's your story, that's your vision of the way life works, then of course you're going to live into that. But maybe, maybe, maybe there's a better vision. And so part of what Jesus is here for is to give us this picture of the best kind of life. And Jesus even said, I came so that they can have eternal life, abundant life, real life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Jesus came to give us a picture of the best kind of life. So really quick, if I can just invite you to something, maybe reading the Gospels, reading the stories about Jesus would begin to give us a picture of what a better kind of life might look like. Okay, so that's the first one. What's the first one? Vision. Good. The second one, the I, is for intent. Everybody say intent. Okay, point at your heart, point at your heart, okay, intent, right? In other words, if we're going to make a change, it's one thing to have a picture of where we want to go. It's a whole other thing to make a decision to actually change. And I've, I've been around the church for quite a while. I've actually 
almost 30 years I've been serving in the church in my life. And one of the things the church typically struggles with is actually choosing to make a change. All of us want change to happen. Like we look at our life and say, man, I should look like that guy on the cover of the magazine with, where you can actually see his abs or whatever, right? I want to be that. We know we want change to happen, but doing something to actually make that happen becomes really hard. We've got to choose. We've got to have the desire to actually change. We have to desire, we have to choose to act. I'm going to say something to you, and I hope you believe me, which is this, that actually the way God often works in our lives is when we start, when we have the intent to say yes, to change to the things the Holy Spirit invites us to. And in my experience, our willingness to say yes precedes oftentimes clarity and direction. So in other words, what I'm inviting you to do right now today is to say to yourself, I will say yes to what God asked me to do. And choose now to have that posture that I will make a change in my life. See, here's the thing. We can't do it on our own. The Holy Spirit's required. Holy Spirit's required for us to have this desire to really change. See, a lot of us have the intent to change. So I want you to picture with me, if you can, somebody driving in a car, and they're driving, the car is headed straight for a cliff, straight for a drop-off that will lead to their obvious death. They're driving the car. They can say all they want, like many of us do. Man, I should change. Yep, that would be a good idea if I changed something in my life. That would be a great idea. If I actually turned the wheel, and we might even say something like, someday I will change. <laughs> but here's the thing. When we start saying that, oftentimes we never actually make the choice to change. And then if we're headed towards that cliff, sometimes we, we have to admit that we want the, the results of making a change in our life. So it'd be great if I didn't drive over this cliff and crash, right? We, we, we understand that our decisions where we're heading might be difficult, but the challenge is to actually make a choice to have the intent to change something in our lives. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of our spirituality is also this way. I have a friend, he's a pastor, and he's, uh, he got on an airplane, he was going somewhere, and he sat down in his seat, and you, if you've been on a plane, you know kind of how this works, so everybody's kind of coming and finding their seats and sitting down, and, and this guy comes in to sit next to him, he's obviously a businessman dressed in a really nice suit, and he's on the phone, and he's talking business stuff, but he's like using lots of non-Asbury appropriate words, <laughs> he's talking to, whoever he's talking to, he's, he's ripping them, like he's just degrading them, talking about how terrible they are. He's just, all this terrible language, like people are blushing around him, and he's, you know, and eventually the stewardess is like, hey, we gotta shut the door, you gotta get off your phone. So he gets off his phone, he sits down next to my friend, this pastor, and he says this. He says, oh, uh, how, how you doing? He said, introduces himself. What do you do? My friend says, well, he's kind of embarrassed because he's afraid he's, this person's gonna be embarrassed by his behavior. So he says, oh, I'm a pastor of a church, actually. Oh, you're a pastor, he says. Oh, that's, I'm a Christian too. I go to my church all the time. I'm really active in my church. <laughs> and this friend of mine, this pastor, is just thinking to himself, have you listened to anything your pastor said about what it means to live like Jesus, right? To not treat people like you just treated that person you were on the phone with, right? Many of us like to go to church and like to do these things because we know maybe it's a nice and it makes us feel good, but I'm not sure very many of us, if I can step on your toe for a minute, actually have the willingness to make a change. The third thing is means. Means, put your hands out. 
like this, okay, means. Means has to do with the actions, the things that we choose to do, the, the resources we choose to use to make a change in our life. Vision, intent, means. What are the resources that I can use that will allow me to actually make a difference, a change in my life? What are the methods, what is the plan I can enact to be different? I might say it another way. What are, to ask a question that's been asked this week, what are the habits you're willing to adopt in your life? You're given a note card when you walked in, and the invitation there is to name some habits maybe you want to stop, but also to name the habits that you want to start. Turns out we don't do very good with just stopping something without replacing it with something else. I'm going to invite you to think about the habits you have. Craig Dykstra is a Christian writer and and researcher, and he says this, the life of the Christian faith is the practice of many practices. In other words, a lot of our Christianity is our embodied obedience in the little steps day after day after day. Scripture talks about it in a very interesting way. Talks about it as sort of this uh, putting on and taking off clothes, right? It's like I'm going to put something on. So let me read a couple passages. Uh, Paul likes this metaphor a lot. He's writing to the church in Colossians in chapter 3. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, listen, clothe yourselves. And then he starts naming what we should try to be put on. Compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on like a jacket or like clothes, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. To the church in Ephesus, he says something similar. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. And the thing is, most of us, I think, want to take off some things to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And then to the church in Rome, he says this in chapter 13 of the book of Romans, rather, and listen to the language really carefully here, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. What scripture seems to be saying, what Jesus models for us is a better way of life. Jesus said, come to me, take my yoke upon you, right? It is easy and light. And this idea of a yoke in in Jesus' teaching was that we would change some of the things, we would get rid of some things, start peeling off some things, and take on a new way of living this life, an understanding of how we actually live out our faith. John Wesley, perhaps you've heard of him, famously was really good at helping people change in their lives. Now, obviously, he joined in what the Spirit was up to, but what made him so successful, part of the reason most of us remember his name is because he helped people change. He would engage people sometimes in some of the worst moments and periods of their life, people who were alcoholics before there was Alcoholics Anonymous, people who were living in poverty, people who were making terrible choices about their lives, and he would engage with them in some methods and ways of change. And it turns out that what he called these were means of grace, (laughs) 
In other words, there are these ways, sometimes we call them spiritual disciplines maybe, these ways that we can accept the grace that God has for us in order to change. So you might think about it like this. One person talked about it like this, I think it's pretty helpful. Like, if you've ever had a magnifying glass, you know, and you've let the sun go through it, has anybody ever done this, right? And it, it, it concentrates the beam in such a way, but some people say it's as much as 2,900 times the, the heat that hits the magnifying glass. When it comes out, it's magnified that much. A means of grace is a way of magnifying the grace of God in our life. It's a way of saying yes to that. Maybe another way that I like to talk about it is sort of like uh, uh, the, the practices, these means of grace, these spiritual disciplines are like us receiving something, putting our hands out. So I want you to imagine you're on stage with me right here. Hopefully that doesn't scare you. You're on stage with me right here. And I just want you to imagine I've got wads of cash in my hand, okay? And I'm just throwing them at you as a gift. You get all of this. I'm just throwing them at you. And if you just stand there like this, I mean, some money might fall on your head or on your shoe, right? But you're not actually receiving it, no matter how good the gift might be that I want to give you. And part of what means of grace, these spiritual disciplines, these habits that we have, these practices of Christianity are really just ways of us extending our hands to receive the great gifts that God wants to give us. So the invitation for you today is maybe to step into some of those habits, some of those means of grace. So one of the questions you might ask are, what are some of the resources you have around you? Who are some of the, what are some of the disciplines, things like prayer, reading our Bibles, memorizing scripture, things like at Asbury, we have these things called gather, and we have small groups and Bible study opportunities for you to jump into. There's all kinds of local churches in the area that would love to put people in your life to help you make some of these changes. I want you to think a little bit about the environments you put yourself in. If you're addicted to pornography, are you willing to put yourself in an environment where maybe you're putting your phone away for a while or putting some apps on your phone that would help you not have access to those things? Are you willing to do those things? What kind of environment are you putting yourself in? The problem is, of course, there are lots of obstacles to this kind of change, to our vision and our intent and our means. There's lots of obstacles to this. Primarily in our particular culture, it's busyness and distractedness. Anybody busy? Okay, if you're not busy, see me afterwards. I've got a whole bunch of stuff I need your help with. Yeah. Anybody distracted? Some of you are like, what's your name again? Yeah. <laughs> You've probably heard um, of the ship called the Titanic that famously said it was the unsinkable ship and it obviously hit an iceberg and it sunk. It's sort of interesting on the very day, that one of the other parts about the Titanic most people don't realize is it had some of the best technology the world had to offer on it, in particular its communication system. It had a wireless telegraph system that was state of the art, like absolutely fascinating, way ahead of its time in many ways. And so the way it sort of worked was they would have these two telegraph operators, the two of them to work kind of around the clock, and, and they, there were two kinds of messages that would come through the telegraph. One of them, as you might expect, were messages from other boats about the weather, or about the conditions of the sea or something else. The other kinds of messages that would come through or that they would send were personal messages, right? So you could, if you were on the Titanic, you could pay some money and they would send a message back home to somebody, right? So, and most of those messages, as you might guess, were just flexing, right? They're like, hey, I'm on the Titanic and the food is good. Wish you were here, ha, 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 right? You know, things like that, right? Right? <laughs> 
Before there was Instagram, they were still flexing back then. So, right, so there are just all these messages. And so earlier that same day the Titanic sank, earlier that same day, the transmissions, the, the message, the, the machinery broke down for a little while. And so they had this backlog. They had all of these personal messages they needed to send. Now, again, people are paying for this. So this is income for the boat and for the telegraph operators. And so later that evening, when the machine gets back online, they're able to send these wireless telegraphs. The, the operators are busy sending all all of these personal messages. And of course, some of the messages that we're trying to get through to them were other boats saying, hey, you better be careful. There are some significant ice flow here. Uh, some of them were like, oh, we're trapped in the ice here. You have to be careful. And one of those messages that came through in the midst of the telegraph operators trying to send these personal messages in their busyness, one of those messages came through and one of the telegraph operators actually wrote back, shut up, shut up. I'm busy. Asbury, I would like to propose perhaps many of us are so busy that whether we're saying it out loud or not, what we're often saying to God is, shut up, shut up. I got this. And with all due respect to all of us, I'm not so sure we've got it on our own. What does it mean to be what we love? It means to allow God to come in and help us make some changes, to give us a vision of something better, to have a desire, a real desire to make some changes in our life, and then to go after those particular ways, the means with which we can make some of those changes. So here's what I'd like to do. I'd just like to invite you. I'm going to challenge you to something over the next seven days. Really simple, really straightforward. So I'm going to put them on the screen right here. So the invitation is this, to experiment. You might say, Brian, I don't know if I believe you, and that's fair. So I want to just challenge you. I want to invite you to experiment for seven days. So there are four ways you can do this. This is an invitation. Obviously, we're not doing, you know, we're not going to grade you or whatever. Uh, the first one is this. I'm going to challenge you to keep a gratitude log, okay? So every day, either in the morning or when you go to bed, whatever is best for you, just sit down on a piece of paper and write out three things that you're grateful for, three things that you're, you want to give thanks for that day. Okay? Really simple. Not a big deal. I don't think it's too hard to do. Try it for seven days and see if your attitude doesn't change. Now, don't repeat the same three things every day. <laughs> the second one is see others as Christ sees them. Again, this one's really simple in some ways and also really hard in others. So just set out every morning to say this. Every person that I come in contact with, I want to see them in the ways that I think Jesus would see them. And of course, that's easy sort of with our friends. Well, maybe not all of our friends, but it can be easy with our friends. But also committing to doing that to the very people just maybe we bump into along the way. Maybe the people we pass in the hallway. Maybe the people who work in the cafeteria or the people who work in the hiccup or the people who help us at the SIPO. Actually seeing them in the ways that Jesus does. Try it for seven days and see if there isn't a change. The third one maybe, maybe this one's for you, is to read a verse of scripture or verses every day. And if you're wondering where to start, I might recommend the gospels of actually reading about Jesus' life and what does he look like. Maybe that would begin to give you a vision of a better kind of life. If you're wondering where to start, I might recommend Mark just because it's the shortest book and it's lots of action. And then the fourth one we have here is just uh, to, to do a prayer walk. Take 15 minutes a day. 15 minutes, not very long. Take 15 minutes a day. Leave your phone behind or turn it off and just walk. And when you're walking, just have a conversation with God. Just tell him what's going on in your life. 
It's amazing if you just take 15 minutes and do that little walk, what will happen in your life. See if that doesn't change your attitude. What I'm inviting you into is just to try something, and you don't have to necessarily pick these, but what I'm trying to say to you is, here's an invitation that you have to make a difference in your own life, to choose what you love, to allow God to begin to change your very desires in ways that might be better for you and for the kingdom.